0: A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering high profile and under the radar cases from across the country every week. We are recording this on March 16th, 2021. I'm your host, Anna Garcia, and our guest host today is former homicide detective Luis Bolaños. Luis has more than 30 years experience in law enforcement, including undercover work with the DEA. At the time when he was investigating drug cartels. And he now works as a private investigator. I asked Lewis to join us today for this special edition of True Crime Daily, the podcast, because frankly, we need your expertise here. We absolutely do. Welcome, Lewis. Um, you're Thank you. a friend. Um, um, looking forward to hearing your guidance and t- to help us explain what is going on, because this is the other pandemic that we are faced with.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: This episode is focused on one case, which has been making massive headlines. And it is a crime that is frankly happening in every city, in every town, every day, multiple times a day. That is a tragedy that we cannot continue to allow to happen. We're talking very specifically, though, about the case of the 16-year-old son of nationally recognized relationship expert, Dr. Laura Berman. Her son, Sammy Chapman, died after allegedly ordering drugs from a dealer on Snapchat. The family says that Sammy accidentally overdosed because one of the pills was allegedly laced with fentanyl. The Santa Monica Police Department is investigating Sammy's death and has told us that Snapchat has cooperated fully and continues to do so, and that the investigation is on. Going, Louis. I mean, this this is very new. This death happened in February. The family has been un- incredible in yeah. talking to the public. Yeah, and their kindness. Yeah. their yeah. grace under unfathomable, unfathomable pain.
1: Right. Um, right. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how they've been able to turn their pain into purpose, as you're going to see. And, and I just want to give you a little background on how I came in contact with them and, and why this case is unique from other cases that we typically take on and try to spearhead here. Um, but it was a mutual friend of ours that, that, that asked me, I just a couple days after Sammy's death, their son's death, Uh, to chat with them and uh, share whatever I could to help point them in whatever direction uh, was most comfortable and necessary and to see what uh, was being done correctly and what wasn't, or just answer questions or, or just to be there for them. And what I found very soon in my conversations with Sammy's parents, Sam and Laura was And at the end of the phone call, I had to take a a huge deep breath every call I have with them, um, is that it it took them a very short time to become extremely educated in the pandemic of, of the national pandemic of fentanyl. I didn't know. And we work very hard here to stay on top of things that are dangerous to kids. If it comes to children, we're on top of it. We'll do anything we can to protect any and all of them. And fentanyl was just not on my radar. I missed that one. And the more research and the more information that I would, every time I had a conversation where I thought I would be able to help them and and give them some advice, um, I found myself just being inundated with the stuff that they were able to bring to the forefront. And with just a little bit of, of research online and talking to my friends in law enforcement who are working cartels and people who are... Uh, manufacturing fentanyl—it became incredibly obvious that this is this is probably the number one focus of all major narcotics teams: DEA, FBI, county, state police. They are starting to become aware, hopefully sooner than I was, as to the magnitude of this and 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 how and why it needs to be addressed. Because since I first spoke to Sammy's parents a few weeks ago. I have spoken with about a half a dozen other parents whose children have died in very similar uh, in and, the same, and, the same method. So, change but, the name, change the place.
0: Children who children who have died since Sammy. It is yeah. it it's it's yeah. unbearable. So, yeah. if, for those of you who may not know, Dr. Laura Berman is a therapist and a relationship expert who is a regular contributor to numerous television shows. She has been in your house. If you didn't recognize her, you will when she comes on in a few minutes. She is the author of several best-selling books. Her very latest book is Quantum Love. She is an award-winning host of multiple types of shows, and her latest endeavor is a new podcast called Language of Love. Dr. Laura has two masters and a PhD, right? When we think of someone who is like the most knowledgeable human being on this earth, That's this family, right? Access. But the most important thing is that Laura is a mother of three. Laura and her husband, Sam Chapman, have suffered the loss that every parent fears. A little more than a month ago on February 7th, their teen son died. 16-year-old Sammy died of an accidental overdose from drugs. The parents believe that the drugs may have even been delivered very close to the house. That's how this happened. The family discovered Sammy on a Sunday night, passed out on the floor of his bedroom. They called 911. The police, the paramedics arrived, but it was too late. It was too late. Since that horrible moment that Sammy passed, Sammy's parents, Laura and Samuel, who are here with us right now, have waged a public war using every tool that they have, using every energy in their body to prevent this from happening to another family, to save another child, and at the same time, trying to get justice for their own son and find the killer of their child. Joining us now are Sammy's parents, Dr. Laura Berman and Samuel Chapman. My deepest, deepest condolences.
2: Thank
3: you. Thank you so much.
0: I am so sorry for your loss and I am at a loss of words and um, you know, I'm a parent. Lewis is a parent to your parents. It is uh, very painful. And I am so impressed with the grace with which you have opened your hearts and this tragedy for the rest of us. Because I cannot believe that there isn't one family out there that isn't touched by this.
2: Yeah, that was not really even my intention or expectation, you know, on the night that Sammy died while the police were still in the house. Um, and I had gotten in touch with Sammy's friend and discovered through his friend, who sent me the screenshot that Sammy had sent him, that he had gotten these drugs through this ad on Snapchat for a dealer that had the dealer's handle on Snapchat and Twitter. I went running to the police, who were still in my house, waiting for the coroner, and said, Look, you know, here he is. And they said, you know, we're sorry, don't get your hopes up. You know, social media doesn't help us really find these people. All they do is take the profile down. But then that person just pops right back up with a brand new screen name. And we haven't ever been able to get any cooperation from them. So then I started not only just almost dying of grief, as you can imagine, but the helplessness and rage kicked in. And that was too much to hold. And my husband, who knows me and knows that I tend to share almost everything, (laughs) said, uh, you know, well, maybe at least if, because, you know, they basically said our hands are tied. Um, You know, we probably won't be back for months, if at all, depending on the toxicology reports, which are backed up in the, you know, in the lab. So it could take months and months. Um, I needed to do something because the sky was now out there. And so I made a post on Instagram, just thinking that at least I could get the word out there to my followers. And it just exploded. I had never heard of fentanyl before this. I certainly didn't know that how prevalent it is, and how dangerous it is, and how many kids are dying from it. And since then, I very quickly, uh, we, we had to make a support group on Facebook because hundreds and hundreds of parents were reaching out to me with the same story. And there's now over 10,000 parents on there
0: mm.
2: who are telling the same story. It, 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 it just takes Sammy's name away, take the state or city, change them out. And it's the same story. Great kids, young adults doing well in life, wanting to experiment doing something stupid and impulsive during the shutdown where they can't entertain themselves any other way, thought they were taking Xanax, Percocet, you know, pick your stupid poison, but it was really fentanyl, all fentanyl or fentanyl laced. And from the dealer's perspective, it either makes for a great customer because fentanyl is twice as addictive as heroin. So if our boy had lived, he would have been, a you know, like a heroin addict times two after this. Um, so that's a great customer for them if it doesn't kill them and they don't care whether it kills them. And it is, it has been an awe. I just can't even believe it is taking young adults and children out. I mean, they're, they're being killed all over the country. And I was astounded by that. And so it doesn't help the grief to be out there talking about this, but it, significantly helps the helplessness and rage, which makes the grief a lot easier to hold.
0: Sam, can you tell us, um, since we're waiting on the toxicology reports, how did you figure out that it could be fentanyl? Did the police tell you that that was very likely or or where did this information come from?
3: So we found him uh, on his back having uh, aspirated his own vomit. And this is what happens with fentanyl. Your respiration slows down uh, almost all the way and they pass out and they throw up and they choke on their vomit. And so that's what happened to him. And uh, uh, college kids who use fentanyl intentionally are, are now putting backpacks on frontwise, so that if they get so wasted that they fall over uh they do what they call turtling and they fall forward so if they uh vomit they don't aspirate uh, their own vomit so that's what we walked in on had to resuscitate my own son or at least try to until the paramedics got here and am dealing with terrible ptsd from that it's just no one should have to go through
0: i am so sorry i i yeah, I said to your wife on the phone um, a week or two ago. I said, "I don't even know how you lift your head off the pillow. I, 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 I just don't know." And you have, you know, you have a family. You have other children um, who are depending on you. That's how. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I. So, your your son's friend was able to give you some information as far as as far as that image, which we have, Mm -hmm. and we're going to show. And because we do both, you know, some people just listen to us. Some people watch us. I'm going to describe the screenshot that we'll be putting up. Now, this is um, a screenshot. It's of a menu. And it it even says menu at the very top of it. Mm -hmm. And then it lists things like Ambien, Percocet, Adderall, among others. And on the background of this image is an open prescription bottle. And as part of the advertising, it actually says L.A. County delivery and nationwide mm-hmm. shipping. And then on the bottom, it actually says low cost, low stress, highest highs. Mm-hmm. And what is even more revolting is that it's designed with what I would call Easter colors, mm-hmm. right? like the colors of innocence pastels. Friendly. It's friendly. Yes, Dr. Laura. That's what it is.
2: Friendly. That's one of the most disgusting parts of it. And, you know, our child was sheltering at home. You know, he was in his room. He was in remote school. He couldn't play on the football team. He couldn't be with his friends because we're in lockdown. Um, And he uh, was able, we've been able to put together the pieces mostly through his best friend who sent us this screenshot that Sammy had sent him. That he had gone out after we were asleep, um, you know, snuck out the back door and met the dealer and got the drugs. Um, And what is happening and what I've learned, we've learned more about fentanyl than we ever wanted to know, um, is that, you know, it's being put in absolutely everything and it's super cheap and super addictive um, you know, it no longer comes, it's it's a synthetic opioid that primarily comes from China. Um, and since it can't come directly into the United States anymore, it comes into Mexico where there are deals with the Mexican cartels who have laboratories where they make things that look exactly like Percocet, Xanax, Coke, whatever. And it's either all fentanyl or has enough fentanyl in there to make it cheaper and more addictive if it doesn't kill you and they don't care either way no harm no foul for them
0: what is so disturbing to me is you know for no matter what generation i believe most of us are from the same generation here is that in our own growing up in teen years there was always the yeah. threat of drugs. There was always the problem, you know, whether it was advertised or alt, you know, remember, I remember when Craigslist started earlier in my career and I spent so much time doing stories about how they're selling drugs on Craigslist and the police are trying to track them down. But it's so hard because they keep changing and changing their phone numbers, right? That was old school when you had a phone number, yes. you know, you, you know, then you, you see the, the beginnings of, um, you know, the, the private chat rooms, right? And then we saw the drug trade moving on to that. And then social media. I mean, however it is that people communicate is, is, is how this thing just permeates. As we progress, they progress,
3: right? There's a program called Bark that allows parents to monitor any, any uh, social media their kids are on, except Instagram and Snapchat, because they say their operating systems don't allow for it. Well, change the operating system and allow the parents to monitor. That is critical. Without, without civil liability, we need help monitoring our kids. Yeah. So our advice is, since we pay for the devices, don't give your kid or let your kid keep a computer or a phone without getting their username and passwords for the device and for all social media. And then it's up to your parenting style, whether you check all the time because you're worried your kid's doing drugs, or you just make sure the passwords are working and you use it if they don't show up at two in the morning one day, but you've got that safety and you've got that oversight and that alone will make your children behave differently on social media And it's a must with the platforms uh, and their immunity. It's up to the parents to take control until the law can be changed.
0: Yeah, but it's so hard because like, as you're describing how after you were asleep that Sammy stepped out, I mean, my son is now 22. I can tell you when he was about a little even younger than Sammy's age, a story that I uncovered (laughs) as his investigative mother, when he was Mm -hmm. over at his father's house, he actually ordered an Uber, went to a party came home and his dad didn't even know it. Yeah. Okay. Under the noses of parents.
2: Well, that, yes. And we were extremely on top of him and protective and informed and careful and a million conversations. And, you know, I also don't know an adult our age who didn't do some stupid stuff and experiment with some stupid stuff when they were younger. The difference now is that it is fatal potentially, very likely fatal. And you're right that you can't, you know, there's only so much you can do. And and if you if we hadn't, if this hadn't happened to us, you know, the prior us would have try to advocate for our child's privacy, especially when we're in lockdown and you know he's sheltering at home in his room, what trouble can he get into other than all the conversations we have about naked pictures or inappropriate comments or whatever? But like, that's the worst that can happen, right? The problem is that that's not the worst that can happen. And I don't care about their privacy. I care about them staying alive. And we didn't want to fight that battle before. We thought, oh, his privacy is important and he needs to feel forget it. You know, and I think parents don't want to have that battle with their kids. And of course, that alone isn't going to, you know, be a an
0: ironclad protection device, but it sure goes a long way. We talked to Snapchat yesterday before this program to raise some of your concerns. And they gave us a statement, and I think That, well, of course, we're going to read their statement. And they tried to give us some background that they said, for example, what um, that in their um, terms and in uh, their guidelines that they make it clear that this illicit activity is not permitted. But let me read you the statement. This is from Snapchat. And this is a statement from the director of communications at Snap Inc, which is the parent company of Snapchat. And the person that we talked to and provided this statement is Rachel Rackinson. Our deepest sympathies are with the family and friends of Samuel Berman Chapman, and we are devastated by his promising life cut short. We are actively assisting the Santa Monica Police Department with their investigation and are committed to working with law enforcement in all instances where Snapchat is used for illegal purposes. For us, nothing is more important than the safety of Snapchat users, and we have zero tolerance for using Snapchat for illicit purposes, including to buy or sell drugs. It is firmly against our community guidelines and terms of service, and we aggressively enforce against these violations. We try to be as proactive as possible in detecting, preventing, and acting on this type of abuse. But we know drug dealers are constantly evolving how they try to evade the rules on many platforms. We are constantly improving our capabilities to fight this illegal activity and to raise awareness about the threats of fentanyl in an effort to save lives. We also got a statement from the police because we also asked the police for an update on uh, Sammy's investigation and we also asked them specifically about cooperation. So please stand by while I get you that. This is from the Santa Monica Police Department. This is from Lieutenant Rudy Flores. We would like to express to the family how deeply sorry we are about the loss of Sammy. This was indeed a tragic event, which has also impacted the responding officers. It is never easy to deal with the death of a young individual. This continues to be an ongoing and active investigation. We appreciate that you respect the fact that we are unable to provide details of where we are with it, but they made it absolutely clear that... They can verify that Snapchat has been actively cooperating with them from the very beginning and continues to do so. And that is according to the Santa Monica Police Department. And we are also going to put up a phone number um, for tips on your son's case that the police have asked us to share, which we will be doing.
3: So those same Santa Monica police told us that they no longer call the social media platforms for help because they won't get any. And um, they told us they wouldn't be back for months, if at all, about our son's death. And then the local news carried this uh, on a number of stations as the top story. And they were back the next day. So we've looked into it. And we do understand that the social media platforms help the DEA. uh, And they have a better experience on a federal level. But that local police get uh, frozen out. And I can tell you that we need our son's phone unlocked. Uh, He has an iPhone, but Apple requires a death certificate and a court order for us to get the uh, phone unlocked, plus his Apple ID, which is trapped inside the phone. It's very difficult to achieve in a pandemic, but um, uh, it feels like the police should just be able to call Apple and say, we've got a dead child, open up his phone. You know, how how, He's do a we, minor. how do we get to the point where our children are not being protected by big technology companies and they use free speech as this blanket to uh, allow crime to pass through their their uh, platforms as if they're bulletin boards, innocent bulletin boards that have no idea what's being put up on them?
2: What I would like is for all social media platforms to care more about their users than how many users they have and it is not enough it's lovely that you you know take down a profile when you discover someone is you know breaking the law okay fine keep doing that but more importantly change your protocols change your agreement user agreements and you know get with it and help law enforcement catch these criminals when they are using your platform to prey on our children
3: the um uh, Senate in California is considering bill number 350. And what it does is it delivers the warning to drug dealers when they get caught the first time that dealing drugs is a risk to life. And this is uh, as a result of the fentanyl poisonings around the country. And so this is like what happens with the DUI. You get read this warning and you have to sign it to get out of court. right? And then If you do it a second time, they can convict you for murder because you've acknowledged that this is a risk to life and you did it a second time. So this sort of bill needs to go across the country and be accepted by the California Senate and then the House and signed by the governor. But it's a model for the rest of the country to help police. And I think if you ask the police, you would find that that would be uh, an enormous help in what they're trying to do right now.
0: Are are the two of you now with your very strong voices advocating for these law changes and policy changes and and how are you being received?
3: We have been and I think that people are reluctant to change especially on the national level.
2: Yeah and in the meantime we are just trying to get the word out there so that parents can educate themselves and so that they can use our son as a teachable moment, because we anyone who has a kid knows certainly a teenager knows that we have very little credibility with them, but their peers do. And we have heard from many parents around the country that they have used our son's story, they have sat their kids down and had them listen to the podcast or watch the interview or whatever it was. And, um, you know, and that it has really shaken their children because they can see themselves in our son.
0: Lewis, what do you think the chances are of getting justice here?
1: Justice is such such a broad term. I I, I think it's going to happen in some of these fentanyl cases. This is starting to come to the forefront of law enforcement and the prosecution uh, and prosecutor's office. I I, want to address two things. Uh, uh, Sam and Laura brought up the menu that was on Snapchat that Sammy used to make this purchase. I want to go back to that because... I believe, and in speaking to my uh, friends and contacts in law enforcement, that menu is still key. It's still a vital tool in potentially identifying the individuals responsible for Sammy's death. That's part of it. There is, there is a forensic side, the forensic computer analysis of the of obtained the metadata, and and that thing that thing was taken down within 24 hours. I'm told typically those sites have a shelf, those menus have a shelf life of 24 to 48 hours. And in that time, they make hundreds, if not thousands of sales of fentanyl-laced counterfeit drugs. So, I think getting that menu out there and keeping it out front, someone's going to recognize it because we've just talked about it. You just described the uniqueness of that specific menu or any menu menu that these clowns use. Um, I and I'm talking just about sales in Southern California, so that's number one. The bill that Sam was and Laura were just talking about to to have the ability to prosecute these individuals that are in this food chain, uh, responsible for uh, all the way from manufacturing to distribution to sales. Um, there's something happening in Riverside County as recently three weeks ago that kind of addresses that it's a different lane so the more lanes the more the bigger shotgun pattern we can put out there to address this epidemic this nightmare that's happening with our kids the better and that is in riverside county and there's something called the watson murder rule And it's very similar to what Sam was just talking about. And this is something that Riverside County Prosecutor's Office is using right now to prosecute three individuals who were arrested about three weeks ago. Um, And it's the additional intent of the Watson felony murder rule, it's it's geared more toward DUIs where a fatality occurred. So if you enter uh, a vehicle and you have the reasonable understanding that what you're about to do can cause a fatality, you may be find yourself being prosecuted for second degree murder. Um, and that's something that's, that very few prosecutor offices here in California and in this nation are doing. Some are starting to do that, that that's actually happening. So uh, it in theory, if someone sells fentanyl and the more we educate the public and they know that the fentanyl they sold or the laced item they sold resulted in a death they've now just elevated themselves to the Watson murder rule because they have an absolute knowledge and a clear understanding that this is a very likely possibility. So I I think things like that, the more avenues and more lanes you can attack aggressively to, to, to bring fentanyl to the forefront where it should have been the better chance we have for justice to answer your question. Sam talked about (laughs) In some of the research I did, I went back to the DEA's website, and one of the few uh, comments I could find on their site that dealt specifically with fentanyl was dated. I'm going to read it right here to you. Back in 2018, where they stopped a guy who was trafficking fentanyl, and he had in his possession 12 kilos,
2: yeah. oh my so, lord,
1: of pure fentanyl, which is very rare. So let's break that down: 12 kilos, 2.2 per pound that's just over 26 pounds that amount of fentanyl had the ability to provide a deadly dose to 5.8 million people think about that it's astronomical here in riverside county about three years ago they made a stop that where they were able to secure and find two kilograms of fentanyl Two kilograms of fentanyl breaks down to one million potential lethal doses of fentanyl. What else? out there has this type of fatality effect. I've never seen anything like that in my entire narcotic career, and neither have my, my partners that I've worked with. This is something new that needs to be on the forefront. Parents, educators, kids, everybody needs to be educated on the deadly effects of this stuff. It's crazy that I had to dig to find this stuff. And thanks to Sam and Laura, there was a catalyst for me to go to dive into this. Disinformation um, should be the first conversation you're having with your kids, especially if they're going back to school with the pandemic being sidelined a little bit. It's just, you know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I, you know, who knows what the numbers would be. That could have a positive negative effect on it, on, on the numbers we're looking at. But I know that the pandemic had an effect on law enforcement dealing with this fentanyl issue is what i'm being told and it makes sense because they had so many other things that they worried about uh, that they had to deal with um, the last year so it's just been the perfect storm for fentanyl to come to the forefront and continue magnifying itself the numbers of these people dying these kids anyone messing with fentanyl is doubling every year Um, and just here In Riverside County next year, they expect at least 500 to 1,000 fentanyl-related deaths by kids who are experimenting with it.
0: And that's what is... Lewis, how are
1: they supposed to... How are the police supposed to function
3: with a three-month lag time on getting toxicology back? Here we are in the most highly taxed environment in the country, and it's three months to find out what's killing our children.
1: Yeah, I I don't have it. There's no excuse for that. It's never fast enough. A week is too long. I I mean, the process, when I hear, (laughs) when they expedite, expedite, expedite it, you can get it back in 24 hours. So what do you have to do to get this on the forefront to be the number one top thing on their list that they analyze and get your toxicology back? Um, I I don't get that. It doesn't make any sense. You bring up a very solid, reasonable point.
2: You know, those statistics and that what you were talking about, you know, from 2018, 19, whatever. Remember what Sam said earlier, that in, 2000, in, in 2021 alone, and it's not far into 2021, we have four times the fentanyl coming into this country than we did in 2020.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's then 2021 has barely begun. So, I think those numbers are going to be significantly larger than we can even imagine. And that is what is mobilizing me more than anything else, is that, you know, this has got to stop. Yeah,
0: you're right. I think what is equally frightening is that, look, as you all have said, young people are going to experiment, right? They're going to do this. and But what is really, really frightening me is that a young person thinks that, And even an adult thinks that they're getting, let's say a Xanax Mm -hmm. for some issues that they may be having. And they very innocently believe that that is what they're getting, what they thought they bought. And then it is laced with this unbelievable drug that more likely will kill them. And this to me is what is so scary. It's like, what kind of demons are lacing these other prescription drugs, these other drugs with this deadly fentanyl. And I'm not absolving that any of the other drugs are, are not deadly, potentially deadly and addictive. I am not, but it's. Yeah, no, it's a whole
2: army of devils. It's, you know, it's not just one, it's an entire army of evildoers that are making a fortune
0: and that's all they care about. I, it's so overwhelming, and I think you know, no matter what decade decade you look at in real time, we we have always felt it's like, oh my God, how are we going to manage? And now we've reached almost like a pinnacle of of danger that I I don't know how we as parents can completely protect our children. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you you very openly shared that. You believe that your son, Sammy, had been experimenting with weed and that you all talked to him about it. I I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'll I'll let you share with us how you dealt with that.
3: That's right. So um, we got him a drug counselor and we started drug testing him. So we know that there were no hard drugs in his system before this dealer got to him. And uh, even with marijuana, they're doctoring marijuana with fentanyl. There is nothing that you can get from a dealer that is safe from yeah. fentanyl for sure anymore. So all of the things that people used to do that meant nothing that was part of growing up can now be deadly. Imagine in our generation, if every person who'd ever tried a Quaalude had a 50% chance of dying, you know, how many would be left anymore? It's it's just madness. And that's sort of where we're headed.
0: Yeah. I, I know that... Um, you both have been very involved with the Facebook page that you mentioned a little earlier called Parents for Safer Children. Mm -hmm. And it is both a public and a private page. And it is the most heartbreaking page.
2: It's it's horrific and heartbreaking, but it's also it's heartbreaking because you see story after story after story like our son and not even like our son, you know, people who couldn't get to the dentist during COVID and had horrible tooth pain and their friend gave them a Percocet to take the edge off until they could get to the dentist and they died. You know, anything that you take that isn't in a prescription bottle with your name on it could kill you. And that's what people need to know. But what has been really heartwarming about it is that all of a sudden there is this community of over Mm 10,000 parents and advocates and caring individuals that are supporting each other and being there for each other and are ready to be an army to take this on as we get organized to really make some changes. And we are committed to that.
3: It's thousands of beautiful stories and beautiful faces where people come and have their lost lives be honored. Because when a child gets taken, uh, it's such a waste. And the parents are left feeling like they didn't get their chance. And so to have a public way of showing the face and telling the story, I think helps all of them. Yeah. And we were just deluged with families who wanted to share this energy with us. So we almost defensively had to create this venue for all of this outpouring.
0: It's extraordinary. This, the stories are very moving. I'm particularly touched by the parents who say, especially the ones who have lost their children after you lost Sammy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how helpful you two have been in this war because of how open you have been. And, and it has helped however one can heal from this. But that, that is just, it's such a moving experience. I'm, I'm wondering, Dr. Laura, you know, you're a professional without question. You are credentialed. You are so educated. And I, no one can ever be prepared for a moment like this but i i'm wondering if you have these conversations in your head between the therapist and the mother and you because you're so many things to so many people and and to people who you don't even know right yeah. um i think the
2: hats although my husband would probably say i don't nearly practice what i preach to everyone else he he gets uh, he gets my non therapeutic self but um i would say that you know my life and I'm grateful for that, that my life has unfortunately been training for this, that all of the work that I've done with other losses and other, you know, none of which could come close to this one and grief and, um, you know, every, all the work I've done on myself just to heal myself, but also to be a better healer to other people is saving me right now. Um, and you know, my main, Job every single day. I make sure I eat. I make sure I exercise. I make sure I do something productive. Today, it's this. And I try to be in my body as much as possible and allow myself to feel my feelings, as scary as that is. And for me, um, that is enough right now.
0: And I... You know, we've all had losses and, and grief is different for different people. Yes. Um, I was really stunned though when I read you have, you've been sharing your grief and your grief process through your blogs. Mm-hmm. And I was stunned and actually so angry that you've actually received mean and nasty comments from people. In mm-hmm. this time of massive loss and grief. And you, you headed it head on, you know, yeah. and I, I, I just don't know how someone can do that to another person at a point, a point like this.
2: A Very damaged person does that, you know, and they have their own demons they're dealing with. But, you know, for me, it, it has done two things share, you know, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately I share very readily um anyway but what i have found is that it helps me to share but more important what has been really healing and beautiful for me is how much my sharing seems to help other people which is why i keep doing it um and so when i put up my snotty videos of me you know having just faced something or having just experienced something or on this intensive grief retreat, I put myself on, I get hundreds and hundreds of messages from people who are maybe not even grieving a child, but grieving a lost parent or, or something else in their life that it is a model for them uh, that, you know, if I can do it, they can do it. And you know whether I intended to or not, this is becoming part of my work. But that's my life. He'll learn, teach, and, and I don't think this is going
0: to be any different. Sam, how how are your other children doing?
3: Uh, they're doing not that great, I would say. I think um, one of them gets pretty nervous and is worried about accidentally dying because his brother did. And the other one is, is getting triggered by all of the murder you see on TV. and It's sort of like getting a, a red sports car. You don't know how many there are out there until you get one yourself. Well, these images of murder are all throughout our society and, and our media. And so um, I think he's getting triggered quite a bit. By all of that, and I, I would say I I am as well. There's uh there's nothing for it except except time and and feeling your feelings. Um, uh, I think if there weren't some PTSD and some uh, lingering nervousness, sadness, and anger, you know, we wouldn't be human.
2: Yeah, and we're getting a lot of support where we can. I mean, there's amazing, just angels that have shown up. And offered their support and counsel and are there for us. And um,
3: we've gotten a lot of help from yeah. David Kessler at grief.com. Mm-hmm. And it's grief.com is a free site for people who are going through grief and is a, a, a great resource for your listeners and viewers.
2: Yeah. And his partner, Paul Denniston, does free grief yoga, which I had no idea mm-hmm. even what that is, but wow. that's been amazingly helpful to me. Um, And breath work, you know, all those things that just help move the emotions out of you, um, you know, so that you can just hold it all a little bit better, you know, I think is so important.
0: I don't know how you do it. Five minutes at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I will remember that. I will keep you in my head and in my heart. Five minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. Five minutes. You know, I, I always... I always say this to my son. I said, you know, it's important to plan for tomorrow, but please remember tomorrow is never promised.
2: Mm-mm.
0: And, you know, young people don't understand that. No. Older people do. Parents absolutely do, right? And it's like, you know, you, you want them to fully enjoy their lives as best they can. But, my God, the forces are out there and against them at every mm-hmm. pivot of their life. Um, you know, we've talked so much about Sammy, but Uh, I was wondering if you could just tell us about him.
2: Um, He was, you know, in some ways I've gotten to know him on a different level after his death because of all the letters and feedback I've gotten from his teachers and classmates. Um, You know, I didn't, I knew what I, we knew of him, which was that he was a really, really intelligent, super curious. I called him my Renaissance guy because he was like, wanting to figure out how to get his real estate license at 16 while building a self-sustaining biosphere for his chameleon, you know, all at the same time. He was always figuring something out or doing some project. Um, and but but and he I always found him to be unbelievably intuitive and sweet. But what really touched me is just story after story after story from other kids and even teachers who talked about how unbelievably kind he was. And how anytime there was a kid that was a little off or sad or, you know, he immediately noticed and went over and made him laugh or smile. We've heard story after story about that. I've even heard from some young women who have written me letters and said that he was their friend and he really helped them through an extremely tough time and, you know, made them like talk to them off the ledge Um, and, you know. He wanted to be a business guy, but he would have made the world's best therapist because he just naturally um, understood people and understood their hearts and could feel what they felt and cared. He cared a lot and he was hilarious. He was really, really funny.
0: He sounds like an angel on earth. I'm so sorry that he has been taken from you so soon and in such a violent, violent manner. I, 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 I'm grateful and thankful to you for the way you have opened up your family, your hearts. Um, your pain, your insight, your advice without question is is at the very top of the list. Uh, I know there are some groups that are very important to you, so I want to make sure that we name them. Um, The Facebook page is Parents for Safer Children, Mm -hmm. and you've got a private and a public page there. You also told me that um, you're, you're supporting an organization called Organization for Social Media Safety. It's a nonprofit consumer protection organization started by another parent who's, you know, the, the beating of, of his child was, was placed on social media and how this is a tangent, but it's, um, crimes that are perpetrated for the purpose of getting attention on social media and uploads, right? Yes. Which is also very dangerous because yes. it incites more violence. Yes. So I know that that's another issue that you all are working very hard on. You're also working to change some laws. Louis, I know you and I have this conversation a lot. And I always say that it's always the survivors and um, the families of survivors and victims who tend to have the the strongest, loudest, most powerful voice out there for change. Mm -hmm. And...
1: um, Yeah, very true, very true. I I can tell you, Sam and Laura, for a fact, you are you don't need to hear this from me. You know this because you're seeing it, you're living it. You are making positive change. Absolutely. In the small circles, law enforcement circles I fly in, and friends, family, parents I know, they have been following Sammy's Sammy's case and your words. And I know three parents right now who have become that parent that is going to monitor everything that goes on the social media or the zero social media. And they struggled with that. And I'm sure that's a representative of, of, of other families that are going through the same type of mindset. Do I want to do that respect their privacy? Well, I mean, it's a constant battle, but they have changed. And I know that law enforcement is absolutely following this and working harder at addressing a lot of those issues you brought up during this podcast, because the words that you that you put out there and that you had the guts to go public with. I know that's happening. Let's hope it keeps going. But I, I, I just think it's amazing that uh, <laughs> you've been able to transform this this pain into purpose. Thank uh, you,
3: Lewis. And you're one of the angels that has appeared in our in our lives and uh, has been an amazing help in helping us weed our way through this and and understand law enforcement and and crime in general, which is a, a world we never wanted to be involved with.
0: The system is not fair, never, I I said this on the last podcast, the system is not fair to the survivors, their families, the victims' families. It is a completely lopsided system. When it comes to justice, there never can really be any justice, but someone needs to pay. This can't just go on a list and a pile of yet one more young person who has lost their life. That is not It is not okay, And because you, too, have the ability to amplify this, you speak for so many parents who don't get this opportunity. Right. right? And look, I'm sure it's very hard. I'm not pointing the finger at the Santa Monica Police Department right now. I'm sure it is very hard for every police department in this country to deal with the overwhelming number of deaths that are drug related that they need to investigate Mm -hmm. because they died innocently innocently not intentionally innocently yet they do not have the resources they can't even find their inner strength but but they have to i mean we cannot lose our humanity here we not we only can't. that
3: the police police around the country have to start treating overdose scenarios like a potential homicide now because of the fentanyl addition
0: yeah yes And Louis, I want you to help me here because, you know, we asked the Santa Monica police department very clearly, you know, we asked them for an update on your case, an update on the investigation. Of course it's ongoing. Pray to God that they find the person's person or persons responsible for this. Um, And they, and we want to make sure we understood how this investigation, Sammy's death is classified. And they said it is classified as a death investigation. Now, Louis, based on what Sam has just said, can you explain to us at what point, how does something like this move into a homicide? And and as I would advocate, all these deaths from the very beginning should be treated as homicides. And yes, that is being sent out to the Santa Monica Police Department very specifically, because that is how I feel.
1: Yeah, well, it's a true statement, Anna. Look, in, in investigation 101, every homicide school you go to, every homicide I've ever been to, what I've been taught, what I've taught other homicide investigators, it's just very basic. It's, they may look at it as an overdose, but you have to address it the minute you walk and you approach that scene as a potential homicide, because you may lose so much information, so much potential evidence, forensic or otherwise. If you don't. So I don't know how it can be classified anything other than a potential homicide. I, I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I you have to address it as a homicide first. It's an unattended death. So you don't know exactly what caused that death until the toxicology comes back. And you're if that takes two months, and sometimes it takes two or three months to get back, you're not, so you're going to wait for that before you start a homicide investigation, before you try to go back and take that first bite at the apple again. Um, so I, I think they're being careful with the words they choose, uh, but I would like to think that they, well.
3: Yeah, let's not criticize Let's no. not criticize the Santa Monica police right. because they're right. in the middle of their investigation and right. they can't right. say everything. No. Um, our our no. understanding is that they're being quite diligent.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I I hope that I didn't come across as suggesting otherwise. I am, though, advocating that when these deaths occur, that I think it would be a great idea if they were all classified as homicides from the very beginning. And I say that directly to the Santa Monica Police Department and every police department across the country. Lewis, there is one thing I I need your help on here. If it's determined when the toxicology reports come back and Sammy Chapman did die of a fentanyl poisoning, does that then make it possible to turn this into a homicide? Is that where this potentially changes?
1: Well, we're, we're back to the felony watch and murder rule as a possibility. There are other lanes there. But look, it, take it back to a more basic level. If you give somebody cocaine and it's a heavy dose and you supply it to a child and they overdose and die, those have been prosecuted as homicides. This is nothing new. So I, I'm so sort of foggy on why this is an issue to investigate something like this and why, why prosecutors aren't a lot of them have in traditionally been going after these types of cases of the homicide. So yes, I think it'll help pointing in that direction, but it's by itself. Uh, there's other factors that are going to come into play.
3: That's right. You have to prove intent and that can be challenging, which is why the Watson rule and Senate bill three 350 in California would be such a big help in implementing the Watson rule for first-time drug dealers.
1: Yes sir. yes, sir.
0: And this reminds me, I remember when Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, you know, when they first started, you know, everyone was like, oh, I just went on for a couple of cocktails kind of thing, right? You remember? You remember the pushback against them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but what a diligent group of mothers, survivors, right? Nothing every more powerful c- than angry mamas. Mm-hmm. Every city, every state. <laughs> They organized, yes, they organized, they changed laws. They made it possible to up the charges for these deaths that it wasn't just a sidebar result of an accident because you were drunk. No, no, yeah. you knew you were drunk. You drank too much. You got behind the wheel. That was deadly. So mm-hmm. my hope is, my hope is that you too will be as powerful as that group was in its time to change laws to support other families. Yeah.
3: Because well, we hope we hope that we are as well. I will tell you that mothers against drunk driving is on this fight as well. In mm-hmm. fact, the head of mad is testifying in the Senate subcommittee hearing about this bill to uh, add, add a special warning for first time drug dealers.
2: And, People have asked me, you know, would you feel justice if they, when they catch this guy, you know, this guy is going to be caught, whether he's caught in relation to our son's case or he has his own karma, you know, whatever happens there is going to happen to me. You know, it doesn't matter because it's not going to, it matters, but it's not going to bring our son back. But what is justice is making these kinds of changes and same, and each child's life, that our son's story can save, that is the only justice that really matters.
0: It's incredible. I wanna give out that police phone number because I promised you that I would give this out. We're also gonna include this in the description box. This will be both on YouTube and and audio. So the Santa Monica Police Department have asked anything. If you have any information related to Sammy Chapman's death, you're asked to contact the Special Investigations Unit at 310-458-8455 or the Watch Commander line, which is 24 hours in case it's an absolute emergency like it's happening right now in front of your face. You know what's happening and you need to call someone. Plus 911, the number is 310-458-2249. We are also going to make available... Uh, The organizations which you are supporting in the Facebook page, which we have discussed, uh, so people who, sadly, may need to visit, they can get more information there. Dr. Laura, I know that you are writing about this. You are also your podcasts. You are dealing with this in in a way that um, that is helping the rest of us. Where can people find out more information about you to get this kind of help and support? Um, well, they can always come to my website, which is just my
2: name, Dr. Laura Berman dot com, but I'm also posting several times a day whatever's happening or whatever's coming up or whatever information we can put out there, and that's on all platforms at Dr. Laura Berman.
0: Okay. Um it, Sam, what would your your parting words be here?
3: Just watch your kids' uh, social media because there's a lot more coming through there than parents know, and uh, adults are interacting with our kids there. So uh, do monitor it. It's a hard thing to do, but it's worth doing.
0: Just as we were getting ready to record, Instagram uh, released uh, uh, some information that they are now blocking adults from direct messaging minors on Instagram, they're making some changes. Great. You know what I think in the back of my head, cause I say nothing is coincidence, mostly <laughs> nothing. You too, you too. Sammy. Th- Sammy, right? Sammy, the voice is being heard. This loud, angry chorus that is powerful that you are leading, I, I, I believe in my heart that the two of you are making these changes. I, I believe it. I believe it in the most painful way. You are paying paying the the most any parent could ever pay.
2: Yeah, we are.
0: And I'm so truly, in the deepest part of my heart, so truly
3: sorry for your Thank loss. You. Thank you for doing this.
2: Yeah, and we're very grateful for your help in getting the word out, and Lewis as well, for all his help.
0: Oh, my God. Lewis is an angel on earth without question. (laughs) Lewis, where can people find you? Because you're always donating your time to a good cause, no matter what. You always pick up the phone for someone in need.
1: Thanks, Anna. Uh, Get my entire social media footprints at getbitinvestigations.com. And I I agree with Sam and Laura. Parents, educate, educate, educate. Uh, Don't be afraid
2: to take their privacy away. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. You can find me uh, at energy news on all social media platforms. It is not lost on me. The irony that we are all giving our social media (laughs) addresses while we at the same time are discussing the trouble with social media.
2: Yeah. Well, that's good. There's a lot of good that can be done, but they just have to They have to step up, these companies, and we have to step up to help protect our kids until they do, or even when they do.
3: It's just like a vaccine. You need a little bit of it to cure what's coming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We can, if we use it safely, properly, and with protocols, it can be a helpful tool. As always, you can find our content on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and of course on YouTube. You can get updates and subscribe to our YouTube channel or a newsletter at truecrimedaily.com until next week this is True Crime Daily the podcast I'm your host Anna Garcia and as we always say don't do crime